Welcome back to the first ever episode of the Hoops House with G Shouse podcast. Today, joined by a special guest, uh, John Hines. John is a uh, resident of Wabash, Indiana, involved with uh, various youth sports activities uh, up there in Wabash County. Does some announcing with me for uh, Action Sports Network. John, glad uh, glad you could be the first guest on the uh, on the show today. Yeah, I'm just waiting for my uh, first my gift for being on here. Actually, uh, I'll I'll send you your twenty five dollar Visa gift card. I guess. <laughs> there we go. No, hey, it's great to be on, man. Um, I, I love announcing with you. Um, you know, my story with you is, man. I've known your dad for a long time, and you know that's how I got my broadcasting career started was with your dad, and then it worked full circle. I got to work with G House and doing some little league baseball actually. Yeah. And that's kinda how we got together and man, it's been all uphill from there. It's been pretty fun, really. Well, John, uh I know you graduated from Pioneer what, nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety five, somewhere in there. 90, yeah, ninety five. Yep. So uh John's a uh, graduate of Pioneer High School up there in Royal Center, Indiana, which has kind of been uh really known uh in the last decade or so for their football program they've had some really good girls athletics programs uh uh mm-hmm. including a, a a year stretch there where they actually won the state championship in volleyball girls basketball and softball correct yes that's correct yeah so just kind of talk about growing up you know in the royal center area and and, and over by pioneer a little bit well growing up there you know going to basketball games when i was younger and then through high school stuff like that um pioneer was not known for the great basketball or anything like that or sports in general other than softball softball has always been a very competitive sport in the royal center area um you know the legendary herc hoffman who's passed away since um he kind of got that going and he had some great teams, uh, made it to some semi-states, uh, and just, you know, he, that's that's what was, when I was growing up, that's what was popular. Softball was really good. Baseball wasn't good. Basketball was trash at the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, uh, you know, kids got better. Kids got better. Um, I would say coaching got better, things like that. And, but football, football. As far as from 1997, when they won the state first state title in Royal Center or Pioneer history, with a team that went undefeated and actually won the, was the first team in the state of Indiana due to the uh, addition of one game in that season. Now they go 15. You you are allowed to you can play 15 right. games now. So they went 15 and 0. So that was the first team to do that. Um, they had some amazing players back then. Um, I say amazing, but I look at some of the kids now and some of the kids in the last few, like a Jack Kaiser, obviously, you know, <clears throat> he's at Notre Dame now for coming up on the sixth year. But, you know, you look at those guys and you think, oh, man, these guys were good. What they were were very, very smart individuals. These kids were top of their class, probably of the starting 11 
on offense, I bet you had seven to eight of them in the top 20 of their class. That's how smart these kids were wow. back then. And it, I mean, and it showed. They knew what to do. They were great. Of course, he had a great coach in Mike Johnson. That, you know, he was able to get that great title. But, um, you know, just growing up there, I mean, I had, let's see, I had two brothers, uh, Tim and Aaron. One is the varsity assistant coach at Winnemac now, uh, Aaron. And then Tim. Uh, lives over in the Lewis Cass district now, and uh, you know. So, but you know, I I grew up with basketball, and you know, I, I love basketball. I love every sport. I mean, kind of you know that you know I yeah. announced everything under the sun. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it was it was interesting, and this, the last fifteen years have been really good at Royal Center and the Pioneer School District. That's for sure. You got to see a lot of. A lot of talent come through there in the last 15 or so years. Yeah, especially like we talked about there, like uh, like on the girls' side of things, like, you mm-hmm. know, like we mentioned, you know, the, them winning the state championship and really the three main girls' sports that, that a high yeah. school can have in volleyball, girls' basketball, and softball. Some of those good athletes that come through there, like Ashlyn Brooke, who went on yeah. and uh, now plays basketball at Ball State. Haley Kripe, uh, who went on and uh, plays softball at Kansas now. And so uh, just really, I I think that speaks volumes to kind of like a smaller community like Pioneer, who's 1A or 2A in a lot of sports is producing these Division I athletes and winning state championships at the same time. Yeah, and the thing about, you know, with that group that won three three state titles there in one, one school year, um, there was a core group of girls. You had Haley Kripe, you had um, Mackenzie Walker, who plays softball at Huntington now. Um, you had, I mean, you had some girls there. Uh, Brooklyn Borges, who was a freshman, she she got three, she had three state titles as a freshman. Um, I mean, there was. I'm trying to think of who who the others were, and I feel bad if I can't remember them. But I mean, there were some girls there that were what, uh, very uh, talented. Would one of those have been Madison Blickenstaff? Yeah, Blickenstaff. Okay. Yes, Maddie Blickenstaff, who again another athlete that went on, and she's playing volleyball in a competitive conference over there in Ohio, at, um, Ohio Christian, and I mean, and she's one of their best players, one of their best inside hitters so i mean it just it's crazy you look at those girls and just their work ethic if you talk to uh coach nice for volleyball um coach brooke at the time for basketball and uh, boy this is going to drive me thomas for softball the the first thing they said they work their butts off they they are hard workers they are extremely good um people they're good girls they're great mentors, um, and that's that. That's what you want to have in those programs, and that's you know. So then you have all these younger girls who are looking up to them, and say, "I want to be like Haley Kreider, Ashton Brook, yeah, Madison Blickenstaff, or JoJo Walker, whatever." So I mean, you know, that's and it just success breeds success, and you know that. You talked about uh, one time you and I were talking. You know, I, I think we were coming back from Winnemac. You talked about how your dad played basketball at the old yeah. Royal Center High School way back in the day and would have played <laughs> yeah. against uh, uh, a Hall of Famer, Jerry Hoover, who was at Mo- who went to Monticello High School. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Talk just kind of talk about uh, just the stories you've heard from your dad. You know, when he was growing up playing basketball, when when basketball was really kind of uh, in its. I, I mean, I still think it's in its prime, but when it was like really, really good, way back yeah. in the day in a one class basketball. Well, it was you know one class basketball, and they were the schools were a lot smaller. Obviously, uh, you know you had Royal Center, you had Twelve Mile, you had. You know, you had, like, Galveston, you would have had, well, I mean, you had yeah. all these small areas other than Logan Sport, of course, Logan Sport. Had right. Been, but and obviously, then, Logan Sport's kind of like, you know, the monster you have to defeat to get yeah. further well, into the then, state tournament. And even back then, it wasn't totally Logan Sport because you had the different townships that would, you know, had their teams and everything. But, you know, um... Yeah, and back then, I mean, I've heard the stories. Obviously, I didn't see him play, but, you know, my dad played four years of varsity basketball, freshman to senior. Um, everybody I've talked to um, that knew him would just, would tell me, like, hey, you know, your dad was a good ball player, a tough ball player. And I, from what I get, he was a little dirt, little bit of a dirty player, from what I've heard, and and it doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, I guess supposedly in his height of his <laughs> game, he's I don't know. He says he's been listed from uh, I've seen things from six two to six three. I'd say six two, hundred eighty five pounds back then. That was a big guy. I mean, he big broad shoulders. They called him Big Bill, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, he he told us all these stories, how he used to go up and grab rebounds and putbacks, and, uh, I mean, we, we laughed through all of them, you know. He'd tell us all kinds of stuff, but, you know, I mean, that's, um, you know, I had him, and I had an, I have an actual older brother, uh, Denny Hines, who was a really good basketball player in the late, set, late mid-70s um, from my dad's first marriage. Um, so I have an older brother who um now you see my brother tim i believe um they're like spinning images of each okay. other but uh denny was a shooter man he could shoot the ball he and he, he and i mean i remember going to open gyms and playing ball and stuff and i mean even at, you know he was in his 40s late 40s and he was just knocking down shot after shot great looking jumper and everybody said man he he his claim to fame was holding kyle macy under his average i guess in sectionals <laughs> so so so, uh, so kind of like when Dan Dock had shut down Michael Jordan there in 1983 yeah, yeah. I, think he, I think he had like two points less or three or four <laughs> yeah. and Macy well, he, averaged about 30 a game his senior yeah, year yeah I, I believe my brother Denny averaged in the 20s I believe from what I've heard uh, he, could, he could put the ball in the hole that's for sure and he played there at old Royal Center High School or was uh, it Pioneer for, he, he played for Pioneer in the okay mid to late 70s they had some good teams then actually that was a heyday for pioneer back then they, they had some teams that were pretty darn tough and they had some guys that went on and played some college basketball from those teams i know so john uh like we we uh we've gotten into it where this season we've really picked up the plethora of of calling basketball games oh, yeah. and uh, and just we did the Manchester Wawa C game earlier in the year mm-hmm. together. Uh, we did that Manchester Winamac game with your brother, or you know, where your brother's the assistant coach, and mm-hmm. and I know, I, I mean, you work up there in Winamac with him, so I know you hear a lot 
probably what goes on within that Winnemac program. And we hope to uh, get Coach Springer here on the podcast at some point. I just reached out to him today about uh, coming on here in the near future. And But kind of talk about that Winnemac team. I know you got some relatives on the team. Again, you got a yeah. brother who's on the coaching staff. You know Coach Springer real well. Yeah. What's that Winnemac team looking like? Um, I believe they've won – what is it? I think they've won four games so far this year. Um, they're a team that um, – they've got they've actually got two sets of brothers on that team. John and Will Malco. John's a senior. Will is a sophomore. And then my nephews, Brendan Hines is a junior, and now Jabin is playing a lot of varsity as a freshman. So, I mean, you got two sets of brothers on that team, and, you know, if if the chips fall right at the end of the season, you might be seeing two sets of brothers on the court at the same time. You know, I mean, it's – in fact, I think last Friday or Friday night there were. They, they had everybody – they had both, both sets on the court. That was kind of cool. But um, – and then they've got um, Jace Bennell. I mean, they've got a team that last year under Coach uh, – uh, Bennington, who is at Western now, yeah. he was, he, his first coaching job was at Winnemac, and then he jumped over to Western for this well, year. Well, and, and I hate to interrupt, but I just think no. the the people should know this. I believe Coach Bennington had uh, a couple brothers who were really, yes. really good ball players there at Twin Lakes when they went on and uh, yes. lost in the uh, state finals there to Crispus Attucks on a last second shot. Yeah, uh, yeah. He yeah. had two brothers, I think uh, Blake and Bryce Bennington, who were just really good players on that Twin Lakes team. Yeah. But anyway, and now, yeah, now those two. Uh, well, one is a uh, works in the auto dealership, if I remember right, from what I've heard. Okay. And then the other one is uh, working on the family farm, um, doing uh, show pigs, actually. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. So I do know. That both of them, yeah, they were they were tough back then when, under uh, Coach Adams and stuff. Um, but yeah, for for the Winnipeg team, it's just a team that kind of they're still trying to find their niche. I mean, really, uh, to me, that's what it is. Um, and 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 honestly, they were a team that when I saw them, they have the pieces that can actually be pretty uh, can actually be pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, they've got they've got a legitimate scorer in John Malco, the senior, and his dad was a heck of a ball player back in the day. In the uh, and his 90s. uncle's the coach at Rochester High School. Yes, his uncle is a is a coach at Rochester, and you know, and Will Will's a good ball player, a good athletic kid as a sophomore. Um, they've got yeah, you know, they've got. A, Kid that has been playing really well, Justin Potoff, another sophomore that's really pretty tough, six-one, uh, athletic, a good defensive player. But it's just a matter of them understanding how good they might, they could be. Actually, right. you know, of course, you got a new coach, Coach Springer. So they went from now. Here's the thing: you got to think about this for like a guy like John Malco, a senior, Alan Hugo. Cam Bennington, Mike Springer in the last three years. So you're jumping from offense to offense to offense, defense to defense to defense. You know, it's something, and you got to think about that. You know, this kid has 
had to deal with three different coaching changes in the last four years. And so, you know, how hard is that? You know, Right. I mean, and and, and that can really kind of uh, take a little bit of a toll on some good players like, uh, like John Malco, who can be really good, but, you know, has tried to, but, but has tried, has had to try and adapt his game because of the different style of coaches that have, that, uh, that have coached him in the last few years. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's, you know, I started thinking about that and it just kind of came to me just now when I said it, I'm like, man, he's had to go through three coaches and, you know, his sophomore freshman or sophomore, junior and senior year. Cause Hugo was there for his freshman year too. But yeah, I mean, you know, you've got to adapt to that. You've got to buy into the offense and defense and know what kind of schemes you're supposed to be doing. And that's a lot to, you know, a lot to go through, you know, but it's just, a, it's a, to me, it's a team that just needs to find themselves. They, they play pretty good defense. I mean, they're not giving up a lot of points, but they're not putting the ball in the basket either. And one, they've been able to shoot pretty good. And the games they've won, John Malco has put up 20 or more. If that, so if he's not if he's not shooting or not hitting, then they struggle a little bit. But So you've got to find some other scores. And Jake Spennell, another senior, uh, about 6'2", long and lanky. He can shoot the ball a little bit. Um, my nephew, Brendan Hines, is a decent shooter. But he doesn't take the shots. He, you know, I, I say he's very, very. Um, he, he likes to pass the ball a lot more than he does shoot. So, I mean, I'm sure that Coach <laughs> Coach Springer would say, "Hey, you can shoot the ball a little bit more too," because he's a he's a yeah. capable shooter. But yeah, they just got. I think they just need to find what they're good at, what they're really, you know, find their role. And become, you know, to become a better team. They play in an area up in the neck of the woods where, you know, there's a lot of teams that are have kind of pride themselves on uh, tough defense a little bit. Uh, like Rochester always has been really tough defensively. Twin Lakes even has always been kind of tough defensively. So, you know, you're going up against – teams that are well coached um, are physical really big and really then it starts to trickle down kind of into the area that we're at down here where you see that with some teams like McConaughey with uh, with coach John Burris Peru's uh, Peru has traditionally been like that yeah uh, Wabash has been that way Manchester's kind of that way a little bit I think uh I think you're starting to see the trickle down effect a little bit from, you know, uh, just where teams kind of in that area with Winnemac and all them, they're tough. And then it moves down into here and then it just starts getting bigger and bigger down towards like the Indianapolis area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of you're seeing more coaches, you know, they're trying to hold teams to 40 or, you know, in the forties or fifties, even, you know, you're not seeing the teams that, you know, if you can hold a team to 40 points, 
then you're doing all right high school basketball. But can you score more than the 40 points? <laughs> that's yeah. the question. And that's where, you know, maybe you work so much on defense that you start, you know, hey, well, we don't shoot the ball very well, so we got to rely on our defense. And that's where a lot of teams are at. Like, especially, I'm going to say this, especially smaller schools. I think of, like, Pioneer, Winnemac. Um, small schools like where I when I grew up, you know, something like North White, things like Caston, you have to have a defensive team because a lot of those kids just aren't the skilled players you want to have. I mean, I'll be honest, the, the kids, you know, I'm going to re- refer back to Pioneer when football w- was all the rage. Basketball wasn't the rage. Nobody cared. <laughs> I mean, you had kids that would play basketball, but that was probably their third favorite sport to get on to do, right? So they didn't work at it as much. They might play. You'd have your few, and you knew who they were. Yeah. You'd have your few guys that would play in the summer and get some get some reps in and play some travel, you know, AAU or whatever they could that were wanting to be basketball players, you know, wanting to work on basketball, but. You know, so you just dealt with it. You say, okay, well, we got these big physical guys that are used to pushing people around on the football field. We'll use we'll, we'll put, use it to our advantage. We are going to be a physical team and knock people's heads off. That way, we might not score thirty points, but we're going to definitely make teams not want to play us because we're just going to throw them all over the place. You know, and that's that's what happened. And I think you see that with small schools, kids aren't as involved as you know with, with basketball maybe so you've got to you're as a coach you adjust you're like well i don't have a guy that can put up 20 a game so i'm gonna have to have a guy that can lock down defensively yeah. and anybody can play defense right oh yeah you, it's just a matter of putting it in your head hey the mentality i'm gonna stop this guy from doing what he wants to do you know you don't have to be the greatest athlete you just have to have the heart to do it so they're like, okay, well, we'll go with this kid that, you know, he's not a great shooter, not a scorer, but, boy, he, he puts a lot of effort into wanting to play it, play the game, so he's going to be our defensive stopper. And I think you see that more and more for the small schools, definitely. Yeah, and, and uh, even like you talk about with, like, Tipton, or not Tipton, Peru, uh, like we said, that has been traditionally kind of a, a tough physical team I also think it goes back to you know uh, kind of like you said where you have to have players that are going to be able to do that you also have to have a coach who's going to instill that into kids uh, you know I think of like coach Thompson who was there at Peru for you know felt like forever left and took yep. the job there at Huntington North mm-hmm. that's just that's just what they taught you know that was a part yeah. of the culture and I remember interviewing him last year before the Oak Hill Peru game and he talked um, and I asked him kind of the same question you know you guys are typically a physical team and he says well it's just kind of the type of kids that we have there at Peru and that's not a knack on Peru I don't think that's a bad thing as a matter of fact that's a school I think I'd want to coach at where you know you have tough kids that you know can be a little rough and know how to be physical and are physical athletes on top of being skilled athletes as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, you know, coach Thompson and his teams that he's, he's coached there in, in the past 
what decade or so. Yeah, yeah but you always had those a couple of those guys that were willing to, you know, just put their nose to the ball and really, you know, guard somebody and play that defensive stopper. Yeah, and that's what, like you said, that's that's something that he would pride himself on. You know, we got guys that are willing to do it. You got to have guys willing to do it. I mean, you can say, hey, you're going to play mm-hmm. defense. The kids like, no, I'm not. I'm I'm a three point shooter. What are you talking about? You know, and so just you got to the kid has to buy into it, and that goes back to the coach, you know, too. The coach has to somehow sell his product, right? Right. I mean, you've got to sell the product you're trying to get on the court. So if you tell a guy that puts up 20 points a game the year before, hey, you're going to play more better defense. Well, that's not my game. I don't. I take a break on defense so I can shoot the ball 20, 30 times a game, you know? Well, not now you're not. So now, you know, you've got to be able to sell that product and say, do you, you know, because you do. I mean, let's be honest, Grant. You've got kids that are selfish. <laughs> I mean, it's it, that's Absolutely. a simple fact, right? Absolutely. I mean, you've got kids that are selfish. And if you can't relay the message, hey, this is a team game. We're trying to win. We're trying to be the best team that we can be. And for that to happen, you've got to do this role. I've got to have you do this role. And if not, then we're not going to be, be a good team. Yep. And you're not being a good teammate. But, you know, so much, I mean, I know you and I are going to get into this or, so, you know, get into this later just about with the college and all that stuff, you know, and what, well, what the kids see in the NBA and all the social media and everything, you know, it just waters down the, uh, you know, the defensive aspect of the game. Absolutely. And, and like you think about it, like, going back to like the old coach night days there at Indiana where they pride themselves on tough, physical, man-to-man defense. And uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago with uh, Brian Evans, who used to uh, be a really good ball player there at Indiana. And he, and, and, and they were talking about the Indiana Louisville game. We're in the last five minutes of the game. Mike Woodson, switched and went to that 2-3 zone. Kenny Payne, the coach at Louisville, comes in the press conference and says one of the dumbest things I've ever heard a coach say. And, uh, like, the media basically asked him, hey, you know, they threw that 2-3 zone at you and you guys, you know, looked like you didn't know what to do. And Kenny Payne said, quote, he tricked me. He being Mike Woodson. He tricked me. Number one. This is not the point of what we're talking about, but number one, uh, Kenny Payne should not have worded it like that. I know what he was trying to say, but it sounds it, it kind of makes you sound like a dumb coach. Uh, yeah, you, you know, say you know we weren't expecting that. You, you, yeah, this is an IU team that plays man to man the whole game, and then they drop into two three. You're not expecting it at the end of the game. And, but yeah, he tricked me. And, 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 and so basically. What Brian Evans was saying is that, you know, uh, they were a, he said there were a couple times in his career where, you know, during the game, Coach Knight would get mad and make them go to a 2-3 zone. And he said when that happened, it was a little embarrassing because the product oh, of Indiana no, basketball, because the product of Indiana basketball mm-hmm. has been that tough, physical, man-to-man defense. 
and when you have to go into a zone to try and stop a team, he said that was just a little degrading. And he says, as a former Indiana player, uh, it was degrading to watch. And, I mean, I, I, I didn't see that back then when he would have played. I, I didn't see it with Alford. I didn't see it with Scotty May because I wasn't alive. Uh-huh. And, and, yeah. and, and you were. So talk about uh, kind of where you think Indiana University basketball is because we're both <laughs> IU fans. And yeah. from what I know, what it is now and the product that is on the floor now, granted they got a great win last night against Ohio State, yeah. but what the product that's on the floor now is not what it was between 1971 and 2000. And never will be back to that. I mean, yeah. we know that um, because of who's not there. I mean, you know, uh, when you think about it, you know, with Bob Knight, there, nobody will be Bob Knight. Nobody will ever come close to being Bob Knight. He was one of one. Well, one of one, and the, the world will never let a Bob Knight coach again. You and I yeah. talked about that. Oh, yeah. It will never happen. You will never Absolutely. have a guy with that kind of validity, you know, being that volatile, it, you know, it won't happen. It will not be allowed. And, you know. He couldn't survive which, in a day of social media anymore. Not at all. Not at all. Oh, my gosh, no. Like you said, everything would be recorded, um, posted on any media site whatsoever. I mean, and and, and, and some of it, and some of it towards the end. Did it did end up coming out like the speech where 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 he says uh, if you don't get you know your heads out of your rear ends you're not going to believe the next four effing days and yep. you will not put me in that effing position again yeah and and exactly. I, and, 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 and that's just one of the greatest locker room rants of all time uh huh yeah I mean and that's the thing I mean I think about some of the players that he had back then in the eighty you know late 80s, 90s, um, early 80s, things like that, when I started really watching IU basketball and stuff. Um, I think of all the guys that, you know, in high school, they were decent, and they were a lot of Indiana kids. Newcastle was the hotbed for him to go recruit. Why did he recruit Newcastle? Because he knew what he was getting, kid-wise, you know, player-wise. Tough-minded guys that were willing to do a different role than what they were used to doing, right? I mean, you were going and recruiting kids, not from, oh, well, he can jump 45, you know, he's got a 40-inch vertical. No, he didn't care about that. Uh, Are you willing to sacrifice your body and set some screens, right? Yeah. And defensively, are you willing to go out there and and play defense? and, and, And back then, he wasn't worried about, you know, who the number one recruit out of IMG Academy is, or Montverde Academy, or or I mean, Lala Mir, like 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 how it is now, you know, because Bob Knight never got involved with a name brand. He never got involved with. I, I mean, Indiana yeah. has always been Adidas, but he was never with Nike and had these other guys going to do the dirty work for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he. He was a straight shooter. When he when he did recruit, he told him what was going to happen. And you know how many of those how many of those coaches now do that and say, and actually you're honest. You know right. how can you say yeah I'm bringing you in here you'll be here for four you know hopefully here for four years you know and I'll be here for you. Well, well no I'm not I'm out of here in a year 
you know, no, you just you just lied to that kid. I understand it's a business. It is a business, and mm-hmm. you know, but still, um, it just you know, getting back on track here though with you know the kind of guy, the players that he recruited were tough-minded players. You know, you take him like an Isaiah Thomas. The kid came from nothing, right? You know, Chicago. Yeah, came from the and west side of Chicago. Tough-minded kid in there to run your team, and he did it. He won. You know, I mean, he did it. You know, you've got guys like you know when I you know I think of the, the last championship with Alford, Keith Smart, those guys. You know, I mean, Galloway. I mean, these guys were tough-minded guys. You know, Alford, Alford was willing to play a little bit of defense, too. He wasn't just, you know, come off a screen and fire it. He, he actually could guard somebody a little bit, you know. And then it's just, it's just a different, obviously, it's a different era of basketball. Um, coaches are, they're blinded by athleticism, I think, and not the true skill set. To me, I mean, and I think it's been that way for quite a long time now. As everybody sees a guy that can go up and do a 360 or just chuck a th- chuck three pointers all night long, but there's nothing more to it, you know. Use that athleticism to guard somebody, or you know, play some defense, grab some rebounds, stuff like that. But it, it, you know, you just don't. To me, it's 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 an very athletic game now it's not a skill game oh, I, and and i a thousand percent agree i mean you look at some of these kids indiana has now and i mean give them credit some of them are athletes like you know like khalil Ware. i mean that dude can jump out of assembly hall you look back uh, uh even like with jordan geronimo and tamar bates who you know geronimo went and transferred to maryland bates is now with missouri those dudes could jump out of the gym and they were athletic. And that goes to show, I think, how much of the game has developed since, you know, the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, even a, Gall- a Trey Galloway, you know, a very athletic kid. And, you know, that's what coaches see. That's what they salivate over now. I mean, uh, to me, everybody wants that kid, then the next Michael Jordan, they want the next Michael Jordan, Kobe, or LeBron. Yeah, Jordan's second greatest ever, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm about to hang up on you. <laughs> we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Your dad needs to teach you better. But anyways, um, yeah, they want that guy, but none of those guys that they are getting is willing to work like those guys. It's just, it's not happening. The work, the work ethic, I don't think is there to be that guy, be LeBron, Jordan, or Kobe. The, the work ethic isn't there. You know, it, you you can do so much, but it, and the, I say work ethic and the mindset. You don't have the mindset. I mean, you don't have that win that that kind of killer mentality. You th- I think of you know Jordan. I mean, this dude was making up things in his head just to be better, make himself better. Right? I mean, you don't have guys like that anymore. I agree. And and, and that's why I think Jordan was probably the greatest player mentally, you know, just because of how he prepared himself to win. 
and he got in other people's heads. Real, I mean, yeah. you know, he was him and Larry Bird were like that. He knew what he was doing. I mean, yeah, he, it was a, you know, it was a psychology, you know, a psychology game. That's how he did it. You know, get in your head and have you not knowing what was up and down, and by then you had forty on you. Yeah. You know, same, well, like you said, Larry too. Well, well, John, we talk about. We talk a little bit about Indiana basketball, IU basketball as well. You grew up in the heydays with Bob Knight, prime Indiana University basketball. Is there a favorite story that you've heard or that you have about Coach Knight? Um, I wouldn't – I don't know about a favorite story or anything. I mean, it was just – I just remember, like, you know, Calvert Cheney, like you mentioned before, with Brian Evans, Cheney Evans, those guys like that, you know, um, Matt Nover, some of those guys, and just those hard-nosed ball players. I mean, just how he could recruit those guys and bring them in there and, you know, have a winning record every dang year. Um, you know, that, that was impressive. You always knew and make the tournament. You, you every feared year. IU. You feared Indiana. Bat. You did not want to play Indiana basketball at Assembly Hall. You just didn't want to do it. It was it was a scary thought. You know, people. You know, I guess I I will bring. I'll take that back. So one of the story, one of the best things that you know, as far as for Bob Knight, you know, since he's passed away, people a lot more people talk about him. Um, other coaches. In the state of Indiana, high school basketball. When Bob Knight was at IU and doing what he did with the offensive defense, I know where you're pick, going with this. The pick and roll, the screening, the constant yeah, moving, right? Absolutely. The man to man defense. Coaches all over the state of Indiana, high school basketball, were trying to emulate everything he did. And and and, and this is one of the things that Doc. That's, that's a great thing. Right yeah. There. Yeah, and, and this is one of the things Dockage talked about. Dan Dockage talked about just after Knight died in his show. I think the very next day after he died, he said that when Bob Knight switched over and started wearing the red sweater, every yeah. coach in the state of Indiana started wearing a sweater. Yeah. And I heard I mean, Dusty May, who's now the coach at Florida Atlantic, who was uh, a manager for Knight. He grew up a lifelong IU fan, ended up yeah. becoming a coach, took his – FAU team to the final four and now they're in the top 15 or top 10 or 15 yeah. in college basketball this year he he mentioned uh, I listened to him on a podcast he talked about how the grip that Indiana the IU basketball it wasn't Purdue basketball back in the day that had the grip on everyone in the state maybe like it may seem like it does now it was IU basketball whether you liked it or not High school teams and high school coaches used to wait until the IU basketball schedule got released and when they were playing games, and they would schedule their high school games around the IU basketball season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. You know, and I think about that, you know, with the sweater and with the emulating that coach, you know, Coach Knight, it's almost to the degree of, when Jordan started wearing the Jordan, you know, yeah. you know, night Air Jordans, absolutely, everybody wanted to do it, and it was, you know, and I mean that's a huge thing. When you take a, a basketball coach, you know, a college basketball coach, you have people wanting to 
you know, dress like that and, you know, follow exactly what he's doing with the, you know, the motion offense and the getting up and down the court and all that, you know, and the defense, the way he played defense, they played defense. I mean, that, that right there tells you what kind of person or what kind of basketball coach Bob Knight was at IU. Yeah, and and you know, like you, you know, like you said, it's the, uh, it's kind of the type of person he was as well because people wanted to be like him. Coaches wanted to coach like him, and even me, who you know, at one point before I decided that radio and probably the media business was the way I wanted to go, I wanted to be a coach. I grew up in a, you know, I grew up in a. Uh, in a in a coach's office in a basketball season yeah. from yeah. November to early March, you know. Yep. There was one time the season didn't end until, you know, the last weekend in March, which was pretty cool. But yeah. uh we but like I've wanted to grow up to be a coach and so me myself has or I myself has uh kind of idolized some coaches in the high school game in the college game, but I'm not sure there's ever been one coach, and I didn't get to see him coach at all. I, I never saw the guy coach one basketball game live, and that yeah, was Bob exactly. Knight. That probably that 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 kind of made me want to operate and coach a team the way I would coach it, and even operate my life the way that uh, kind of he kind of how he operated it. And he could mm-hmm. be a douche, you know. He was you know he was an a hole, and. Yeah. But, but, but at the same time, that guy did so much for, for people with disabilities, people, uh, you know, people who were poor, people who loved IU basketball. I mean, if, if you read the book, The Season on the Brink, it talks about uh, the bad things that he does. No one's perfect. He did bad things, yeah. but he also did some good things. And, and those good things, I think, get overlooked by kind of the, the controversial well, things that happened with him. And I think it's it goes back to the media. Like we talked about, you know, he had a TV camera in his face all the time because he was yeah. so polarizing, right? If he was any other coach that didn't give you mm-hmm. that sound bite, that, hey, we're going to use this If now, he was the coach at, you know, Southeast Louisiana State, then, you know, no one would really care. Exactly. Yeah, but he was at Indiana, and it was a – you know, the Big Ten, that, you know, the Big Ten was the basketball, you know, that was it. And, um, yeah, it, it was just, you know, having that camera in his face and he was, a, you know, they got to see every part of him, but they didn't see behind the camera as much because yeah. nobody cared about that. They wanted to see, let's see Bob fly off the handle tonight. Let's see what he does tonight. Let's see what he says here to get that sound bite into you know, bury him or whatever. But, you know, behind it, like, like Dan Dockett, you, you know, I, I listen to his podcast. You do as well sometimes. And he said, he said, it's like, the, it was like the mafia. You didn't understand this. He would let you in if he wanted you in his circle. Absolutely. And if you were an IU Absolutely. person, you were in the circle for life if you wanted to be in it. Absolutely. Right. But, and, and, and think about when you go back and look at like, you know, Way, way, even up until he died just two months ago, back in November, uh, he had a guy that ran around with him really for 35, 40 years, a guy by the name of Bob Hamill, who was uh, 
a newspaper writer there for the Bloomington Herald or whatever, the, the newspaper down there in Bloomington. And, you know, he kind of became like Knight's assistant. And I remember asking my dad, we went down to a game uh, just a, like 10, about 10 days, almost two weeks after he died. And I asked my dad, I, I said, why did Knight have Bob Hamill uh, always with him? And he says, he goes, uh, he said, because I think, and this is his words, not mine. He goes, I think Knight thought Bob Hamill was kind of dumb and he kind of wanted to see what he was about. And then he goes, I think he realized later down the line that, oh, maybe this guy does know something. And he was kind of like Knight's personal assistant up until he died. And, 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 and this was one of the rare media members that he trusted because he wouldn't trust yeah. the media. No, he didn't. And yeah, Hamill was right there from, you know, day one, writing about Bob Knight at IU because, you know, right there in Bloomington, like you said, he was the paper writer. He went, he went on that trip, you know, when they went, when they went on the trip um, across the world, to, you know, to do a basketball trip. Which is a really cool watch if you've seen that on it the was, Big Ten Network. It was really neat. It was cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I stayed up late that night watching Big Ten Network, watching that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was the one guy that he brought with him, and he, he you know, he wrote about the whole thing. And that's what was, you know, that was really neat, that he was able to, you know, trust a guy like that. Because, like you said, he didn't trust too many people, it didn't seem like, unless you were in his circle. And then that was, you know, then you were kind of like, yeah, you're like mate. You were made. <laughs> kind of like right. Yeah. right. And, and and you know, one of the things Dockage talked about was, you know, you may not have liked how we did things with Indiana basketball, but he said there's a Latin phrase and the phrase is La Cosa Nostra, which essentially is Latin for our thing. And we don't care what you think about our thing. It's our thing and that's what we're gonna do. And that's why I think Knight was so successful because they did their thing. Going back to, like we talked about earlier, uh, you know, the hard-nosed man-to-man defense, that was their thing. The motion offense, that was their thing. La Cosa Nostra. If you didn't like it, sorry, that's just our thing, and that's how we're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, again, it comes into buying into the product that you're, you're selling. And, Absolutely, you know, everybody wanted to. Uh, there was a time in the mid '80s, late early '80s, everybody wanted to play for Coach Knight. Yeah, or, or they thought they did. I'll say that. How about that? They thought they wanted to play for Coach Knight. Kind of, kind of, just like now, every kid wants to play in the NBA. Huh? I yeah, mean, you think you do, but are you willing to do the things that it takes to do that? Right. You know, I mean, yeah, you, you know, and that's the thing with, you know, with kids these days, you know, it, it all looks amazing. Yeah, I want to play, I want to do this, I want to play college ball. I've seen so many kids start college, you know, start a sport in college, say, you know what? No, I'm not willing to work this hard. Yep. I I need a break. And, and that's why the transfer that, portal. Is a business now. And that's why the transfer portal, I think, has gotten to where it is. Yeah. yeah. I I just heard, uh, oh, 
and I can't remember his name, Gino Oriana, right? Mm-hmm. The former co- coach for uh, the Connecticut basketball. Well, girls. he still is the coach. Yeah, great, great coach, mm-hmm. amazing basketball mind, and he followed. You know, he's a, a guy that you know did a lot of things Knight did, right? Right. <laughs> so, anyways, he he was talking to somebody, and they were talking about basketball in the state in the United States. He said, you know why kids from Europe come in way more prepared and better skilled? First of all, they practice five five times a week, six times a week, and then they play one game, right? What do we do in America? Practice a couple times, maybe, if you want to, and then you go on a weekend barrage of playing basketball four to five games, maybe six games in three days. So all you're doing is going out and running up and down a court. You're not getting the skill, the skill level. Yeah. And he said, and that's the difference right now in the United States and around the world, the basketball community, you know, it, that's why these Europe players, you look at, I mean, for NBA, you look at guys like Ana de Cupo, uh, you know, Don, you know, Luka Doncic and, uh, you know, no, Jokic. I mean, these yeah. guys are very, very skilled ball players. Absolutely, because they did it different. Wimbiama, even you know, yeah. I mean, he's a very skilled ball player at what eighteen, nineteen years old already. Yeah, and I for mean, being seven foot five inches, yeah, he a can seven do a five shooting yards. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. But I think, I think it's you know a lot of, I mean. <sighs> You know, basketball in general is an is is all about how athletic are you anymore, and it's not how you know. What can you do on the court? What kind of things? I'm going to bring this up because I just watched him last night, and throw some love to one of my favorite point guards I've seen this year, uh, Ethan Hendricks of Manchester, you know, Manchester Squires. And yeah, oh, and, and know, we'll talk I mean, about them in a minute. But yeah, go ahead, dude. I'm telling you. This kid, it, he, he makes his team a better team every time he just Absolutely. gets to steps on the court. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the little things he can do. I think last night he had like five points, right? Five points. He's averaging he was averaging fifteen a game. Has five points. You know what he did? He made the defense that needed to be played at the beginning of that game to cause. Uh, you know, Fort Wayne Canterbury to lose that game, really. I mean, he was the instigator in that in that defense, and that's what he does. I mean, he's just – he does the little things. He can score, of course. And, he's and that's not, what Coach Henson wants out of him. Yeah, he's not great big. I mean, he's 5'9", maybe. But, man, I mean, he, he's strong. He's a quick ball player. He does the little things that wins basketball games, and that's – if you can have – Five of those guys on the court at the same time, it's golden. But yeah. you never get five of those guys on the same court right. at the same time in high school basketball. Well, John, you broadcasted that game with my dad last yeah. night up there at Manchester. And and uh, just I know you enjoy broadcasting with him because your first little gig in broadcasting was with him way back in the days at – at Hoosier Country 103 or whatever it is. Yeah, 1037. Yeah. Yep. In Logan Sport, Indiana. Yep. Uh-huh. Hoosier Country 1037. And um, 
you know, you guys go back a long way. And I remember when I first got hired there, like towards the end of my junior year of high school, there at 105.9 The Bash, uh, uh-huh. I remember getting a um, – I got a text from Wade Weaver saying, hey, you know, you'll go to the Little League field at this time. You're going to do, you know, this game with, with John Hines. I'm like, I'm like, man, this John Hines guy did games with my dad. If I think correctly, way back in the day, so I called my dad. I was like, man, you're never going to believe who. Uh, <laughs> I told him, I said, I told him, I said, you're never going to believe who I'm doing this Little League game with. I'm doing this Little League game with John. I was like, no way, dude. I used to do games with him back in the day in Logan Sport and everything. So, oh, so, yeah. so I know your guys' history goes back kind of, uh, and, and I've, I've heard the stories a little bit, but talk about some of the stories that you guys have had. Uh, uh, from way back in the day, and I know this year you guys have added a couple stories to it now. Yeah, we have. You know, with, with doing the internet radio and internet broadcasting, you know, it's a little bit different than back in the day where you hooked up to a, a landline. You always had to have a landline, it seemed like, every place you went. But And that was, you know, internet was, it was, it was starting to get a little, you know, tight, you know, a little bit bigger. But that was back in, 2001 2002 i believe i want to say um but anyways yeah we we did most of the we did all the games for logan sport high school basketball football i remember i will never forget the very first football game i ever did with your dad we're up there at the press box there in the at the uh, i don't even know what they call it now but the football field at the very patch Berry Patch, yeah. Berry, yeah, whatever they call it now. It's totally changing. they got the turf now. But um, anyway, so we're up there, and I'm sitting there. Logan comes out and just blows the doors off of the team they were playing. I can't remember who it was. but It might have been Peru, because that's usually who they play first. They come out and just scoring four, dot, four quick plays. Boom, 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 right down the field. Your dad looks at me and goes, John, you want to recap that scoring drive? And I looked down. I have nothing wrote down whatsoever. <laughs> I'm just sitting there just watching the game. And I'm like, uh, I go, why don't we take a break and we'll come back to that. <laughs> I run. I remember I run down to the other radio station there, 1023 at the time, or 1230, whichever one. It was 1230. Mike Montgomery was, hey, man. Because I knew him, I hey, what what, what happened? Right, <laughs> any. I was trying to borrow his, but after that, I was like, hey, I better pay attention and write some stuff down here because, you know, it was, it was all new to me. I'd never really done it, right? right? Never really done it. And one of the this doesn't have anything to do with your dad other than he couldn't do a game. He couldn't do this tournament at Caston, right? And. We were expecting Pioneer and Caston to be the tournament in the finals. They were both pretty good back then at that time. So I'm like, well, who's going to announce with me? And I thought, you know what? I asked my brother, Tim, who's 13 months younger than me, right? And I said, hey, would you want to announce with me? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, okay. What do I do? Well, back then we took all the equipment home with us and stuff, right? So we hook it up. We hook it all up, put the headset on, all that stuff. We play, a, I think it was Super Nintendo at the time, and we made all the players for Casting and Pioneer on there. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> we set it for, you know, 
the quarters and everything, and we just and that, we let it play itself out, and we announced it, and that's how we practiced it. And that's a good way then. to practice. That's how I practiced oh, yeah. back in the day. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, you know, that or turn the TV down and do your own game. Other than you see all the stats pop up and all that stuff, but still, you can still call it play by play. But you know, so we did that. And we had a blast. It was it was quite a fun time. Of course, one of the stories that you know very well, we went over to McCutcheon one night, Cutch Logan's for <laughs> This one of the best stories. This, this one of my favorites. Be, because every <laughs> time I think McCutcheon, this is what I think of right here. Yeah, we get there. And we knew it was supposed to, I think we knew it was supposed to snow a little bit, right? We get done with the game, and we're hearing people through the crowd talking, hey, there's a blizzard out there. Oh, okay. We get out there, everything's covered. Like, seriously, just, you can't even see outside. We got to drive back to Logansport, you know, which is a good hour drive from McCutcheon High School. What should have been an hour drive ended up being almost, probably a little over three-hour drive for us, driving 20 miles an hour down the, down the roads. Um, we probably saw four slide-offs at least. Two cars in front of us just jumped the ditch. And I asked her dad, if we stop, he's like, Heck no, just keep going. We're just, so we just kept moving. But, uh, yeah, we made and, it back and, safe. And, and I think at that time, he was living uh, over by the Grissom Air Force Base. And so after you got to Logan's Court, he had to drive a little more there to there to, there to to Grissom, just south of Peru. Dude, he might have slept at the station in his truck car. You never know. Yeah. Him. I don't know. He um, would do that. But there was, I mean, there was. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Like I said, you know, that was my first ever broadcasting gig. I had done, like, uh, public address announcing at Pioneer for stuff like that, for basketball and football. But I never really got on air over the airwaves on radio. And it was it was really cool to do it, you know, because at the time, your dad, you know, he hadn't been out of college very long at all. So we were, we were young. And you know it was, it was a lot of fun. We had a blast, and yeah, it was a, it was the way I started my broadcasting career was with your dad. And it's crazy how it full circles, and now I'm announcing with him most of the time now through Action Sports. So it's, it's really cool, actually. And and one of the stories you guys can add on to is now. Um, sorry, I'm sucking on a piece of ice here. I've been having a sore throat, but. Um, one of the stories you can add on to is you guys are scheduled to go up to do that Manchester Blackhawk game there at Grace College. And just just explain what happened. So we had done a game Friday night at Wabash the night before. And up to uh, Grace College, we get there and, you know, beautiful facility, really. And we we really didn't know anything. We thought we had no clue that there were other games before us getting played. We're like, and that's the this? thing. And, and, and that's the thing, John, is I told him there were going to be other games being played there. I told him. So I don't know why he reacted that way, but go ahead. But there's, I'm you know, we're, we're there early and we have to watch uh, part of one game and then a whole other game. Between Warsaw and uh, South Bend, Washington, which was a black blowout by Warsaw, and then Manchester Blackhawk Christian to finish out the night after that one. So, you know, we talked to the um, 
athletic assistant or whatever, the SID, he tells us, hey, you can go down here on Media Row right here, on the pretty much on the court. Like, okay, so we decided, yeah, well, we put our stuff down there. Halftime of the game, the game before, we go down there, get, start setting stuff up, pull out a case, get the soundboard out. I'm like, hey, throw me the, uh, I go, give me the cord so I can plug this in. He's like, looking around, he's like, I don't see it. And I was like, what? So I'm looking for it. Can't find it either. We look in each other's, our bags and everything we brought. We're, we're digging around, can't find it. So where could that be? And, you know, if anybody knows anything about broadcasting and everything, the soundboard is what gives you the sound out of your headset and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's what goes in the computer. That's what goes over the air. So you have to have this cord. Um, so like, we can't find it. We can't find it. Like, the Wabash. Why would we have left it at Wabash? Luckily, I had a buddy, and I helped coach uh, youth wrestling for club here at Wabash, and I knew that we were having a tournament on Sunday morning. I knew they were setting mats up that night, so I give him a call and ask him to run over and take a look where we broadcasted. Is there anything over there like a cord? Yeah. Okay, keep that in a secure place. I'm going to need that tomorrow. <laughs> so... So anyways, I go over to the guys running the media and the sound stuff for Grace College. I ask them, hey, do you guys have something that can hook to this? Take the soundboard over there. They're digging and digging. No, we don't have anything that would work. Great. So we go back there. Your dad's panicking. Man, we can't go on air. We're not going to be able to do it. I said, is there any He texted me. I was doing another game. He texted me, and all he says was, this ain't happening. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, we lost the uh, the board, or, or uh, we lost the cord to the soundboard. I'm like, man. Yeah. But I, due to previous, a previous broadcast I've done with somebody where it happened um, not on purpose, on accident, um, I knew that, hey, you can actually talk into the in, internal mic of the computer and kind of do it that way if we have to. So I said something to him. He's like, you know what? Yeah, and I go, but there's no way we could do it where we were at. It was too loud on the court. I said, let's go up there. There's a hospitality room all glassed in. Let's go up there where it's quiet and set up. So we did. We went up there and set up there, um, talked into the computer the whole time, what was really cool was the Grace basketball team, the Grace number one NAIA team in the nation, Grace College. They had their players in the hospitality room, and they saw us, what we were doing, and they were they were great, and they were quiet. They were very courteous of us. And finally, your dad, up during the break, went over and told them what was going on. They said, "Yeah, we'll be we'll be cool," and they were they were awesome. That they were quiet and. The, the thing about that is you have to be quiet during a commercial because it catches everything. I mean, I know there's a way to pop that mic, internal yeah. mic off, but yeah. we, didn't, we didn't mess with it. But, hey, we got on air. We did it. We did the game. Manchester got beat pretty soundly by Blackhawk Christian without Ethan Hendricks. But I had, it was the first game they played without him that right. night. So they knew it was going to be tough sledding with a team like Blackhawk Christian. But... We go on air and uh, we're able to move that's on. That's all that matters. That's right. That, that, that's all that matters, man, in broadcasting. Get on air somehow because everybody's expecting it. 
Yeah, and and uh, I've been on, I've been on the end where you know, equipment malfunctions or, you know, it's not working or, God forbid, you've lost something. I yeah. remember uh, last year, I broadcasted a game at Logan Sports on a Thursday night. And it was a rare Thursday night. It was like a rescheduled game, and it was in February. And the AD there at Logan Sport, Brian Strong, who I know you know very well. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, with with, with you guys growing up next door to each other. Yeah. Uh, See, Brian that night took care of us, you know, great great athletic director. One of the best athletic directors, uh, maybe in the state of Indiana, you know, he, he, he was real good to us and everything, made sure we had everything. And so, uh, I, I felt comfortable with, you know, being around him and talking with him a little bit yeah. there at the Berry bowl. And after the game, you know, it was routine, you know, we did what we were supposed to do. We packed it all up. And I remember we were packing up and I remember hearing this like thud, like, like this, I, I mean, not really like a boom, but like, but like if you drop something in the bleachers, yeah. And I heard it and I'm like, what is that? Whatever. I don't think anything of it. I pack everything up. And so the next night I was supposed to be doing Madison Grant versus Lapel Boys there at Madison uh-huh. Grant. And at the time we needed the handheld mic because something something happened where like we used to have this dongle that we would play interviews and plug it into the board and and, and that's how that's how we would play the interviews. But now we just load it into the computer. Well, the dongle didn't work, so I was having to hold my phone up to the microphone, kind of like how I'm recording this podcast at the moment. Uh, you hold your phone up to the microphone, and it just plays through there. It may not sound as clean or whatever, but at least the interview gets played. That's why you do the interview. So yeah. I do the interview. You know, I interview coaches. We go on the air, me and my partner, which was that night, I think, Jace Martin, who's the girls coach there at Madison Grant. And I, you know, just before tip off, I uh, just before tip off, I realized that I don't have uh, I don't have the microphone. And so I'm like, where is it? And. So then I started thinking and I go back to like that thud from the night before I go back to that thud. I saw it. Uh, (laughs) I I go back to that thud that I heard the night before and I go, dude, I probably dropped the microphone there in the bleachers at the Berry Bowl. I lost that microphone. So I'm like panicking because, you know, it's a simple thing like a microphone that could be replaced. You know, yeah. it's not like a laptop where you got to go buy a new one if it gets stolen, <laughs> which has happened, which has happened. And it sucks. It sucks when. when, when, when oh, man, it sucks. So. so uh, <laughs> anyways, you know, I'm thinking to myself, man, when's the next time I'm going to be at Logan Sport? And this was during the girls basketball tournament. I uh-huh. said, I said, oh, they're playing the semi state over there tomorrow. Uh-huh. I'm going to go over there and just watch it, pick up the mic when I'm there. And so uh, before the game, I quickly, I emailed Brian Strong and I said, hey, you know, I was doing the game last night. I think I left a microphone there on accident. So the next day, 
uh, I get there to the Berry Bowl. I had to buy a ticket to get in. Uh, yeah. I bought a ticket. I go in, and I'm hunting for Brian Strong, man. I'm looking for him. And, and, and I'm searching high and low there. It's so the, hard to find, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm searching high and low there for him at at, a, uh, at Logan Sport. And he's nowhere to be found. So, finally, I track down Deb Stevens, yep. who uh, is kind of like – she's the assistant AD there. She's like the kind of the events coordinator, if you will, there at Logan Sport. Amazing, amazing athletic director at Cast in high yeah. school. yeah. And, and Brian's uh, uh, cousin, actually. I think. Okay. So I find her. I'm like, hey, where can I find Brian at? She finally radios him and 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 gets him. And, and so he sees me. He comes over to me. I don't even, like, say what's up or anything. And he goes, microphone. And I go, good, you got my email. And he goes, no, I actually haven't checked my email. I just know that you lost it here and you might be looking for it. <laughs> and, and so, and so, and so, he told me he radioed to these people at the office, and and it's like, yeah. hey, the microphone will be in there. You can go and pick it up in the lost and found. And so I did, and he helped me out. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I almost lost that microphone, and I think that was uh, my one, my one free, um, free pass, my one free pass. <laughs> and looking back on it, I think I could have lived with just getting another microphone like that. Hey, man, real real quick, I just thought of another story. Maybe you've heard this. And yeah. We'll probably get y'all here. But, um, so we did a football game. I think it was Pioneer, maybe Pioneer North White, at North White. Yeah. Your um, dad and I did back in the day. And the, the press box is minuscule at North White, to say the least, right? And they were very Homer-wise. They didn't want, you know, whatever. But so – we were like, where are we going to broadcast out of, man? We broadcast out of, I think it was my truck. Um, we plugged it. Somehow we were brought, we had ran our power through the truck, battery, and did our broadcast out of my truck. The truck battered. And we parked, we pulled up right right along the fence line and did the whole game that way. Um, that's, that's being in intuitive that's for sure you know and that's and, and that's the thing with us doing the internet radio is that you can't really do that no. uh like like but but i mean with the landline and the cell phone which by all means hey if that's the way you want to go hey well that's fine with me but uh yeah. the internet radio and the broadcast sounds more clean it sounds oh better no oh, question yeah. about it and, and that's well, why you around the world man that's that's yep. what's cool about it yep everything's you, you can get it on the app and you can listen to it you know from africa to japan i mean anywhere you want yeah. to and that's yeah. what's really cool about the technology with the internet radio internet web, and webcast streaming stuff like that it's really neat and i think that's why you know andy mccord creating the action sports network creating those online radio stations that that is that is a genius move that that is a genius move, and and, and it's really kind of uh, been one of the first online, just online oriented sports stations, music stations, whatever. And now that he's created this, we had a very we we were really successful last year. We've been really successful this year. I've started to notice some other places starting to kind of do their own thing and do the same thing. 
a little bit. And, you know, I I think that's just the hold that we've had there on the Action Sports Network. It starts from the top with the boss, with Andy. It it even goes with Wade Weaver and our partnership with 105.9 and the My Bash Sports Network. And it all goes down to even the broadcasters we have. And because, I mean, John, I I mean, you look at it, and and I hope to be joined by – some other guys like David Musselman and, and mm-hmm. Steve Stout on here and um, even Derek Decker. Derek Decker, yeah. And, and, and those guys are and, – and, and even Andy McCord. Those guys they've are top – They've been in the business for a while, yeah, man. I mean, they've yeah. been doing it. Those guys are top-notch announcers, and I think that's why it's made us uh, – it's made this company successful. It's made what we're doing successful. And, yeah. And, and, and we get to cover all these basketball games too. And We've so, got, I mean – Let's let, real quickly. Let's tell you know we cover three counties: Grant, Wabash, Miami County, and it's not just hitting this here and there. You know, it's it's legit. We're covering if if we can at all possible every boys' game, every girl, you know, almost every girls' game of basketball. Uh, we covered every football game almost. You know, I mean, it is. It's not just oh, we'll pick up a you know we'll cover this school once in a while. No, it's. If, if we're going to cover you, we're going to cover you. And we've got somebody that's going to be there almost, you know, every game. And that's what's really cool about it is, and on top of that, you know, we've got some other schools that are looking to jump on board here in, in this coming year, too. So that's what's really neat, you know. And really For, the coaches, all the coaches. Right now. The, the coaches appreciate it, too, as well. Yeah, because... they do. They, they tell us every time, hey, man, thanks for covering us. We appreciate it. You know, we like the exposure. And, you know, most, most coaches want to, you know, and it's for the kids. It's not, you know, it's it, – in doing the internet, it's great because grandma and grandpa from Florida can listen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They can and, listen. And, and that's one of the cooler – that, that's one of the cooler things, I think. Uh-huh. Because you it's know, like uh, – like – few weeks ago uh me and my dad did eastbrook versus smith academy boys basketball smith academy who let's face it is not the best program and you know and and john there were maybe 50 people at that ball game and we called the game and i was talking to coach greg allison of eastbrook before the game and 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 he said that his mom and dad listen to every eastbrook boys basketball game Every game. They listen to the coaches show every Monday between 6.30 and 7 when their boy Greg is on. And I think that's awesome. You know, his mom and dad who live up in Warsaw, uh, he said their names, Dennis and Joanna. We gave them a shout-out. If we know someone's listening, I mean, we give a shout-out. I think that's pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I started, uh, you know, um, some of the stuff I've done with um, RTC out of – Rochester it's actually a webcast right and I I was lucky enough to somehow uh, give them a call when I saw that they might need some help or whatever back in uh, 2018 right the summer of 2018 yeah and if anybody knows anything 2018 was a big year for high school football pioneer and uh, yeah so won a state championship Yes, and what? Well, the year before they won two, but yeah. my nephew Casey Hines, who has coached multiple places, junior high football, and helped with varsity and stuff, he kind of got roped into doing it 
um, helping out with uh, RTC somehow. And I asked him, I said, hey, do you think they need anybody? He's like, I'm a call. So I did. Went through an interview process, all this stuff. Told him what I've done. And uh, it just kind of worked out where, you know, I was I was a man for Pioneer Sports that year. I did volleyball. I did basketball. I did uh, all of the football. So I followed Pioneer Football all the way to the state. Got to go on the field do some camera work and stuff because obviously you can't record you know we didn't have the rights for that you know ihsaa or uh, valley or whoever it was at the time but so i was able to go on there and do some clips and stuff it, it was a blast it was awesome but what i was getting at is doing that um i had a niece in south africa at the time that was a teacher there right a principal at school and she would religiously stay at like get up in early in the morning you know to wa- watch pioneer football and listen to it and that and you know that was that was really cool because then you had to exchange students that had played football at pioneer that would find out about it and see my post on facebook or whatever and they would start watching from france or from brazil and i mean it was really neat you're like you got all these guys, you know, peeing in IPs all over the world, yeah. watching this, and it was it was it's really neat how social media, you know, there's good and there's bad, of course, of social media, but man, that you know, with the internet, it's really neat how you're able to do that kind of thing. Absolutely, and you know, I think it I think it's made an impact on the radio game and the business for sure. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, wait, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, you've got you've got radio sometimes that you can only get about 10 mile range or 20 mile range. So you can't you can't hear it all the time. But if you go to if that radio goes to Internet, then I mean, it's you can listen to it all day, every day. I like I think that's pretty neat. Well, John, uh, really appreciate you uh, being the first guest here on on the podcast. Uh probably won't be the last so uh, i hope not i mean it, it, was, it was pretty cool yeah. i love you know me i love sports i love talking yeah. sports and you know I, I know you've got a great mind and we kind of think alike when it comes to different uh opinions and stuff like that so i mean it, it is fun i like it well john john we appreciate you uh joining us and uh you know hopefully uh we get to throw the mics on our heads here soon and uh call some games together and uh and then we'll talk and then maybe we'll uh, talk a little more on the uh on the podcast coming up all right i appreciate it thanks a lot grant all right that was john hines with the action sports network and uh and he's also involved in some various uh youth activities up there in wabash indiana and uh again we appreciate his time This has been the first ever episode of the Hoops House with G. Shouse. We look forward to seeing you next time. Be safe, everybody.